US 131 Motorsports Park. What you like most about drag racing? We are live right now with Modified to the Lanes. Welcome to the US 131 Motorsports Park Drag Racing Podcast. Strap in and hang on for all the latest news, results, and happenings from the fastest quarter-mile track in the world. Gary and Justin will offer different perspectives for what's going on at the track and highlighting different drivers and events along the way. This week, we'll be covering... Well, we're going to talk about the Memphis results. Well, yeah, exactly. The The World Finals, yeah, the IHRA Summit Super Series World Finals happened this last weekend in Memphis. And how, and the, how the Michigan cars turned out. Yeah, I mean, not, not a ton to report there, but we'll still talk a little bit about what went on. You bet. And then we do have an interview scheduled with Scooter Pico from IHRA. Wonderful. And I, I've got a feeling this one's going to be good. So... Yep. We uh, we do appreciate you taking the time to download and listen to our show. If you enjoy it, please rate us accordingly and tell your friends and family. If you have any ideas or suggestions, please let us know. Well, Gary, it's uh, we're kind of winding things down for the 2019 season. Yeah, this is uh, podcast number 41. Yes. And didn't you go to a place called... 41 last weekend with the yeah, juniors? Yeah, we went to US 41 last weekend. I want to hear a little bit about that. I know... Uh, uh, Jace was in a 790 yep. motor. You got the big motor in it? Yep, we put the big motor on it, and we made some test and tune passes here, and we took everything okay. down there. And That didn't quite go as well as planned as far as the 790 set up on his car. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing, we've got to move some weight around. It, oh. it doesn't have enough weight on the back end, mm-hmm. and it was like jumping the car off the ground at the hit. Yep, seen, <laughs> so, seen that before, so it yeah. takes some adjustments. Yep, so, so not, a, not a huge deal. Good, but, good learning experience. Oh, for sure. You know, and the other thing that, that happened is um, Tim Kish was down there as well mm-hmm. with, with Alex, and he happened to have a spare car, and he come over. He says, you know, I'm not sure I'd run that thing the way that it's leaving because mm-hmm. it's it it's going to hurt something. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, okay, well, what do you think? And he says, well, I've got Lydia's car here. Just <laughs> put him in it. Yeah. We'll be good. And, and so Jace ended up driving the, the Lydia Kish's car, mm-hmm. and – he did well. I mean, really, no time run. We <laughs> we we had to guess on what what the weight was and everything. And <laughs> and Tim was texting Lydia back at home. And How much you weigh, Lydia? We, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know as well as I do, a, a couple of pounds yeah. is going to make the, a lot of difference on those things. Yeah. So we got it pretty close. Turns out he was holding like seven or eight the first couple rounds, Yikes. and okay. got somebody to red light against him, and and was able to run it out. And uh, gave us an idea where we were at. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, he did all right. He, I think he lost at 10 cars the first race in it. I mean, wow. never sitting in it before. He Wonderful. Won a few rounds and Wonderful. So this means he'll be 790 next year. He's he going to graduate. Yep, he's moving Fantastic. I, and I had a feeling that was going to happen. It was, it was a little bit loaded when I kind of told him that, you know, why don't we just put the 790 engine on it? We'll go up and make your runs and, and just kind of see what you think. Yeah, about now it. he's wet his appetite. I knew. <laughs> you kidding? I, I knew what was going to happen. Everything's going to be slow after that. <laughs> For sure. So that, he's on an age break where he could go either way. He could go year. either way. Yep, he's 12 it. now. Uh-huh. He'll turn 13 in July. So that makes him eligible? Yeah. Even in the spring? Even in the spring, yep. Okay. Kind of like Evan did. Yeah. So, so uh, how about Kenzie? How did she do? Kenzie did well. She won the 1190 portion two out of three days. Wow. Two out of three races. I didn't know that. And uh, Fantastic. came a little, came up a little short, like 11th all short of winning an Ironman. Oh. So, and it was, it was a good race. It was a real good race that she yeah. had there. And so they, they both ended up winning a little money and mm-hmm. 
we brought back, I don't know, five or six pounds of candy from trick or treating and <laughs> we had a pretty good time. It was it was a it was a lighter turnout than what everybody had expected down there and and uh I mean really it was the guy's first race that he put on and and I think uh mm-hmm. I think he learned some things and and hopefully hopefully things will grow from there and and you know hopefully a you know a, a junior dragster race close by that's a, a decent paying race would be not a bad thing this late in the year. No, that's good. You know, it's a great opportunity. And and uh, this place was, uh, what, where was this? US 41 Motorplex. US 41 it's in Motorplex. Morocco, Indiana, okay. like two and a half hours from my house. That's it's not uh, far at all. Central Indiana then? Or it's mid? it's actually like, oh, I want to say maybe 25, 30 miles south of Gary. Oh, over it's there. It's really, yeah, it's okay. it's. Almost, it's like straight down sixty-five and <laughs> to the to the west, uh, maybe ten miles or yep. so. Heard of it, just never exactly knew where it was. Yeah, good to know. But it it's a decent little track. I mm-hmm. mean, they they uh, you know it. Obviously, we're spoiled here. You know, it, to to compare it to you know here or you know Summit Motorsports Park or any of the big big tracks, mm-hmm. it's not a comparison. But mm-hmm. for a you know for a, a family run track and a, you know that's that's been around a while, it's. Mm-hmm. It's a decent place. It's a small local facility. Sure. Good. Yep. Exactly. So we had a good time. Not too far from home, you know. So not, not bad. Not bad at all. So uh, you said you ran into Tim Kish down there. Yeah. Obviously. So he was what, down there. The thing is, uh, the one of the most exciting things I've seen is this new Alder. He's finally got it done. I'll We've been talking what. about it and waiting for it. We have. Now it's an LS motor. Yeah. Right? It's got a Magnuson supercharger. Supercharged. On wow. an LS motor. That is some late model, you know. Yeah. New technology. That is pretty cool. And, you know, he was talking about it, and because he came up for a test and tune a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he, was, he wasn't even hardly leaning on it at all. Like, I have like four or five pounds of boost is it. Mm-hmm. And it went 550 or 540 something. Gosh, all right. Eighth. Nothing to it. That's, so, that's going to go much quicker than that. <laughs> it's got some uh, some mid to high four second. Yeah. Well, when you, when you think about the, the boost capabilities, it could be unlimited. Oh, you for know, sure. He could go as far as he wants with that thing. But it's so nice. It's, it's you know, it's red. It's got the black wheels. It's got the black accents on the motor. And, yeah. You know, everything uh, Tim or his dad before him would build is impeccable. Oh, for sure. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And so we'll see how that thing performs next year. You, you know, oh, yeah. Get so, out there and join us. So I did have to ask him. I said, so how, how was it leaving off the a box? Because mm-hmm. I said, you used the box, right? He said, yeah. He said, I didn't let go of the button one time on that top amber. <laughs> so oh. he'd forgotten about it. You know, you get oh. in there and you set the button. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's uh, we're both in the same boat as far as always been no box racers, right. Right? right? So that's a little different ball game, but he'll get the hang of it and get it figured out, I'm sure. So has he always been swapping feet before? He's, yeah, he's got a button in the neon, I think, and it didn't work real well, but mm-hmm. swapping feet's pretty much what he's done. You know, there's an advantage to that foot brake stuff. There Justin? is? Yeah, you're using bigger muscles. Is that right? That's what it is. Huh? So they're a little more better connected. <laughs> Rather right. than fingers and toes and hands and wrists, you I'll get, tell you you're what, using your legs. I you like might that. be onto something. <laughs> I think some of the best no box racers out there right now are foot brake racers. I think so too. You know, Lucas and Walker and Kevin Pollard and never, Charlie Lockhart. I mean, all those guys, those are those are foot brake guys. They amaze you. Oh, absolutely. Times. But uh, so Memphis, we had six go down there. Yeah. From uh, from US one thirty one, we have certainly a mid Michigan contingent. Sure, and, uh, and Ubly Oceola. Dragway sent some people, and Osceola, and, mm-hmm. and you know a bunch of tracks around. And hey, just I'm going to back up one quick step. Oh, sure. Talking about Osceola, I mm-hmm. I've got it on my sheet. I didn't put it on every, yeah, on both yeah. of ours, but 
Osceola did get the green light. They got a big to, win, didn't they? Yes, through the through the city council and everything else mm-hmm. to be able to expand and improve their facility. So there we go. That's a that's a great deal. That's yeah. that's really cool to see. Um, um, I can't be more excited for for everybody down that way. Mm-hmm. And you know, it drag racing as far as racetracks go, it's not like any other business. I mean, having tracks around is a good thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, it doesn't do anybody any good to, to see a track get shut down. Right. No, this is a long time coming for Osceola, and uh, it is that that uh, Osceola family down there. That that whole team of racers oh, yeah. went out in force. They, uh, they did a lot of lobbying and picketing, and, and wrote letters. And then it was time for the uh, city council meeting. Yep, they were all present. Yes, exactly. And they made it made a difference. They made it happen. That's, they did. That's they cool. Did. It, it's cool. And, and like I said, I, I couldn't be more happy for them all down there. Mm-hmm. So Me yeah, too. we can get back to talking about Memphis now. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we uh, we had our six. You know, we had our uh, of course our points leaders. Yep. You know, from the year, and then we had a couple of bracket finals winners. Yeah, exactly. So as far as the points winners go, uh, David Sherbondi, Mark Boardman, and Kyle Wanamaker, and mm-hmm. Samuel Peterson. Right. They were our four entries as, as far as that goes in their respective classes. Correct. And they earned their way by winning points. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Sherbondi, he lost a, it's a, looked like a pretty tight race to Jared Ledford. I mean, hmm. a couple guys from, you know, up this way drive all the way down there and have to race each other first round. I yeah. mean, that's just, that's it's just a bad job of pulling in the lanes on both of their parts. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> either way, uh, tough loss for David Sherbondi in round one mm-hmm. and Mark Boardman, he went a couple rounds and, mm-hmm. He almost broke Facebook Friday night. I don't know if you saw that or not. With the uh, with the gamblers race, right? Yes. Gosh, yes he that, was doing great. He was. Well, and, and the deal that almost broke Facebook is the flicker on the with the tree. It's a it from what I understand, there is a slight glitch with the stage lock in CompuLink timing system. Mm. So if if the for some reason the stage bulb isn't I mean, it's lit, but you're not in far enough, and that car rocks back, and it rocks back in, it will shut both the pre-stage and the stage bulbs off simultaneously and result in a red light. Oh. that's That looks like what happened in, like, round five or six of the gambler's race to Mark mm-hmm. on Friday night. Yeah. So, like, so it's obviously, stage lock wasn't working. <laughs> something, yeah, there, there's a slight glitch to it, and... Because he was in, he had both lit. He, he was in and had both lit, and as soon as yeah. the second amber turned on, mm-hmm. both the pre-stage and the stage bulbs turned off, and his red light dropped. And that was... Both? Yeah, at the exact same time. Yeah. That's a... Is there a good explanation for that? That The best that I've heard is it's a it's a slight glitch in the stage lock mm-hmm. setup, which the stage lock is merely a courtesy mm-hmm. that CompuLink provides as part of their timing system, from what I understand, so... Yeah, well, somehow a beam got connected. Either way. Whatever happened, track and got connected, right? Exactly. Oh, that's a shame. So, but uh, Mark uh, Mark lost to Ernie Humes third round. Ernie's a tough, tough dude. He went down to four cars at the end of it, and mm-hmm. he's a good racer from good. you know over on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle Wanamaker, he he lost on a double breakout second round. They're both five thou under. Okay. And sportsman. Yep. yep, and sportsman, and and Kyle was perfect first round of sportsman. Yeah, I, I and, saw the triple O. Yep. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, he was a little behind on the tree second round, and, and mm-hmm. it just didn't quite work out for him. He had a little bit more brake pedal, I think. Uh-huh. And then, actually, Samuel Peterson did the best out of our crew down there, and mm-hmm. he went down to five cars. And I'll tell you what, Samuel was killing it. 
he wasn't worse than 17 all weekend. I read that on Facebook, yeah. yeah so, his dad was pretty proud of him. He was. And you know what? And, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You know, and Samuel just, uh, from the sounds of it, made the wrong move at the finish line, got behind when he should have taken the finish line, and, mm-hmm. and things would have worked out a little bit different for him there. So this is the same as uh, Morley did last year. Yeah. Top, right? Yep, exactly. Five left, number five, in the, maybe. Number four or five in the world. Yeah. It'll, so, it'll be one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Good right. deal. So that's a, that's a pretty cool deal. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a heck of a way to, to round out a, a very successful junior director career. Yeah. And we had a couple of bracket finals winners. Yeah, we had uh, Jim Seabright. How did he do? Jim Seabright. Oh, uh, he he uh, he let go ten thousandths red first mm-hmm. round. Okay, you know, and, and that, that's close. I'll tell you what. It if you've never been in that atmosphere, mm-hmm. it's really easy to sit back and say, "Well, you should or you could or whatever the case may be." But mm-hmm. there's it's it's a it's it's essentially a once in a lifetime yeah opportunity to to go down there and do this and. Well, think about who you're, you're amongst. Oh, absolutely. Everybody that's there has done something phenomenal this exactly. year. Exactly. Either won their points or won their division. Yeah. Right? No small feat. So Either way you, you make the, the, Everybody in the place, everybody inside that the, the fences exactly. has just as good a chance in, in a big way. Oh, you're exactly they've right. All, they've all won a bunch of, of races this year, and here they come, and they all come together for the world finals. Exactly. It's the best of the best. Right. It really is. Exactly. So that's a early exit for for Jim Seabright, and mm-hmm. that's tough to see. And same thing with Connor Jensen. Connor was a little tardy on mm-hmm. the tree, and and mm-hmm. I mean he he pulled up against a buzzsaw too first round of, of, of the juniors, you know. Which <laughs> you know, like you said, there's luck. there are literally the best of the best, right, from around the country that get to go to this thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they've all done something really special to get there. Exactly, and it's it's a it's a wonderful event just for it that. Is. It is. It's very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris Roth from, from mid-Michigan, yes. White Camaro, he ended up going all the way to the final and getting runner-up. Yes, I mean, he's had him. a good year, that's for sure. Yeah. Won the, uh, won the modified class at, Martin, at it, uh, mid-Michigan, right? Yep, exactly. And, uh, all the way to the final. So he was one round away from all of that. Exactly. The 20 grand, the diamond ring, the trip to Aruba. Yep. Whew. Yeah. It's, it can happen. So close. It can so happen. close. How do you so, sp- split that diamond ring? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> somebody gets the gold ring, somebody gets the diamonds out of it, maybe? I don't I know. I <laughs> doubt it. And same on the trip. But. And I'm sure I'm sure Chris didn't get invited to go on their trip to Aruba either. No, no you can you bet, bet that it'll be next time for that. So we're, we're talking about some Summit Super Series things. Why don't we... Uh, why don't we get a hold of Scooter Pico from IHRA? Let's do it. And talk with him about IHRA and Summit Super Series and whatever else comes up. Very good. So you joining us on the phone right now is the one, the only, Scooter Pico from IHRA. Uh, Scooter, how's it going tonight? I am great. How are you? Oh, not bad, considering the weather. It's cold and rainy up here. It was very nice in Memphis. <laughs> I, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. Did you bring any of that weather home with you? You know, we, we stay on Sunday because Sunday is our rain day there. So we actually didn't fly home till Monday. And Johnny O and I got off the plane and we walked outside at Cleveland Hopkins Airport expecting, you know, snow and 12 degrees. And <laughs> it was still shorts weather. So I'm 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 OK wow. with it. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Well, it's definitely not shorts weather here in Michigan. <laughs> not not, not anymore. Like, no, it, it feels like it could snow at any time. No, uh, you can't. You, uh, my rule of thumb is if it's 40 degrees or above, it's shorts weather. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scooter, I guess uh, first things first, tell us a little bit about your start in drag racing and, and kind of how it led to get to where you're at now. 
Oh, um, well, it seems like a million years ago now, but uh, right out of college, I decided that I was going to do my sports marketing internship uh, at uh, what was then Norwalk Raceway Park and uh, for Bill Bader Sr. And okay. um, the the quick funny story of that is I he never really had anybody ask him about an internship. He didn't really know what it was. And I, I spent about an hour on the phone with him explaining, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn the business and you got to teach me and all this stuff. And he was really anti, you know, I don't hire kids and they never last. And <laughs> I said, I work for free. And he said, can you start on Monday? <laughs> you knew you knew the way to his heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't then, but I but I do now. There you go. So that, that was, uh, I finished my college internship um, so fast that my my professor actually called Bill and thought that I was lying to him on my hours. And he said, no, we, we really are working 90 hours a week here. Yeah. Um, so we, we finished that up real quick and, and I stayed with Bill uh, for the next seven seasons um, until I switched gears and, and became the motorsports manager at Summit Racing Equipment and did that for six years and started actually um, signed the original deals for the Summit Super Series, uh, the NHRA Summit Racing Series. And then back then we were doing um, in NHRA national events with uh, in Vegas, uh, Atlanta. Uh, and then we had Mark Powick on the pro stock team and John Ligenfelter and Dan Fletcher and Mark Horton. And we kind of built that whole program uh, way back when. And then, uh, I was following IHRA. I was racing with them, racing in the 1090 class, and and I would always send Bill these emails after the race. You know, this this wasn't right, that wasn't right. You, mm. you could be doing this differently, blah blah blah. And finally, one day he said, "Well, if you think you got all this figured out, why don't you come to work for me?" And uh, kind of called my bluff, and <laughs> and I did, and uh, I've been there for uh, 16 seasons now. Wow. That sixteen years of history, just like that, right? <laughs> yeah, it went it went by pretty pretty quick. It it's uh, you know when you really love what you're doing, it's not it's not really a job, and, oh, and you sure. don't love what you're doing every day. Don't don't get me wrong, um, but but for most days, you know, you're like, wow, this is this is really cool. I didn't really envision that you could make a living in drag racing unless your name was you know Fletcher or Biondo or somebody like that. But right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it it's been a uh, it's been a pretty pretty crazy run, and and especially in IHRA days where you get a new owner about every two years, and you oh, get man. new direction about every two years, and you have to basically change your entire business model up every two years. Um, that that kept it pretty interesting for a while, but mm-hmm. fortunately, right now we seem to have um, kind of baselined and. Our current owners, uh, the folks at TPG, uh, the hedge fund, they they're you know, not really interested in running around the globe, burning up millions of dollars, trying to do pro racing. They're just more, you know, do the basics, you know, kind of sure. stuff. So um, that speaks to me uh, because my my world was bracket racing and class racing. So um, I, I'm all for that. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. great. So so what is your current role at IHRA? Um, well, I've been the vice president for, I think, an eternity, but the weird part is there is actually no president. Mm-hmm. Um, they come and they go about every two years, just right. about every time we get a new owner. Um, so I, I've kind of absorbed all those, 
you know, general manager roles, um, the decision maker, I guess, on a daily uh, daily basis. Uh, and then I have to report and figure out how to communicate what we do with our um, corporate office in Florida, the folks that are actually the IRG sports and entertainment folks who essentially it's a, it's a roll-up company. So the, the people at Cordova, the people at Maryland, Memphis, Palm Beach, and IHRA, we, we are all divisions and we all report to one particular guy that, that is in West Palm Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. So then they, they, their job is to take what all the tracks and the sanctioning bodies are doing and then try to report that to the ownership group and see what they want to do or, you know, what their, what their desires are for the business. Oh, sure. I see. Now, Johnny O was on here and he t- kind of touched on some of that and, and the model and how it's had to change over the years. And so, but anyhow, that makes you the HRO, right? The highest ranking official in IHRA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some of it's by, uh, some of it's by attrition, but some of it's by, okay, everybody put your hand up if you want to do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh but the having the summit background and having the corporate background and and being you know go, transitioning, I mean we were we we were owned by you know Feld and people forget we were owned by Clear Channel right. and Live wow. Nation. Uh, I mean you know really big companies that that we had to report to. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's kind of easy, and I I kind of keep Johnny O and the division directors. You know they they need to do more important things with tracks and racers than try to do corporate stuff. So, so I, I kind of get tasked with that, but, um, you know, my real passion is, you know, doing what we did, you know, this past weekend in Memphis, going out and watching all these guys drive from everywhere in the world to, to mm-hmm. run for a championship. That's, you know, that, that kind of keeps us going every day. Yeah, so, that is a, a great event. And it certainly was fun to watch. You had great weather. It turned out very well, <clears throat> but I see you guys doing three major things for the for the little guys you know for the for the bracket racers all over the country and you know the summit sports was spectacular when you come to a track you you mirror image the the track's regular program only you bring a bigger purse you bring contingencies and a whole lot uh, whole lot more to mm-hmm. to uh, in, enhance a, a wonderful event on a local level like that and then every region has their bracket finals there you are again with contingencies prize money and in a, in a perfect organization of each of those bracket final events and then the culmination of course is that world finals so everybody that's gone uh, arrived at the world finals is uh, really something special they either won their, their regional race or they won their local brackets points system correct yeah and and we get um you know we get some track champions at the world finals that are what i would say are the outer in the outer lying tracks that you know, regular people don't like you and I may sit around and we we're, we're talk. You know, we could talk about Osceola and, and mm-hmm. Mocan, and you know, you you kind of know the tracks in your region, but people forget. You know, there's six tracks in Western Canada that are a 40-hour tow from here, yeah. and there's you know mm-hmm. a track in Alaska and and Hawaii, and wow. it's cool to see those guys come because you don't see them at a team finals. Right. And and the only time you you get to see them is is if they make the toe to the to the world finals, mm-hmm. and because you know they're they're just cut off from everything. You know, mm-hmm. Fort St. John isn't near anywhere. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, I mean, those tracks can't even 
you know, we're, 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 we were talking in Memphis about, you know, how do we get those tracks to maybe have their own team finals? And, and you kind of look at a map and you're like, <laughs> wow, they're like 12 hours from anywhere. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's not, you know, I've been to Edmonton a lot and I've been to Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. It, mm-hmm. It's not like it's an easy drive. It's not like you just get on the interstate and you drive 12 hours. It's no. over the river and through the woods, 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Over, so over the border. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. So you, you try to, you know, the summit super series is the, is really the common thread mm-hmm. that we have with, with the you know, track in Alaska and, and, and nitro motorsports park and, and, you know, Pat's Auto Supply Raceway. Right. It, it, it's it's the only thing that they have that they can can say, well, this is cool. You know, I mean, this is something that we've got that no one else has got. And if we were in HRA, we wouldn't have this. And and we still can't go to a team finals, even if we are in HRA. And there's mm-hmm. there's just nothing here for us. So at least our at least three people have an opportunity to get on the big stage and yep. represent our racetrack. Yeah. Do something really Once special. I mean, that's to me. That's the the Summit Super Series is the best thing going for the weekly bracket racer. It, it, there's nothing else like it out there that that a guy can race at his local track week in and week out and have a chance to to go somewhere and and get on the big stage and race for big money right. and be a world champion. Yeah. And and our goal really at the end of the day is to take those tracks that you know they don't most of those tracks don't have a points program, you know, like, like where you race at us 131 or down here at dragway 42 or at some motorsports park or wherever. So, so this is it, you know, th- this is their, this is the reason that they're chasing points there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we take that very seriously. Uh, and which is why we sweat the details so much at Memphis, you know, that, that race has to be, absolutely as perfect as we can make it because these guys are going to drive 40 plus hours. The guy from Alaska, the the junior dragster kid from Alaska drove 4,000 miles him and his dad with his junior to race one way. Yeah. It took him two weeks to get here and it's going to take him two weeks to get back. Wow. I'm not sure that, that, the father won't go to jail for having his kid out of school for a month, but, but this was their, you know, this was their bucket list item. And he's like, Hey, when else could we possibly do something like this? Right. When will this ever present itself to us again? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, man, I would, you know, I'd make some phone calls and try to find you a junior to rent. Uh, Nathan Thornsley mm-hmm. flew down and rented a dragster and raced in top. And he's, he's done that before. Sure. But this this kid's like, you know, I, I want to race my own car. Sure. I, I raced all year with this thing. I, I want to race it. If I win, I want to win it in my car. Mm-hmm. So that's um, so cool. That's a that, that's the kind of stuff that separates this from a, you know, a regular race. That there's plenty of races that pay more money. There's there's plenty of you know the big money racer guys don't even give this a second thought, but mm-hmm. this for the regular average guy who can't swing a, you know, a $2,000 entry fee or something to right. go to the million. Right. This is a free entry, mm-hmm. $20,000 to win race that has 65 cars at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, that, that doesn't exist in our world. No, no. And, and, and to top it off, I mean, you got, you, you, you roll in the gate and you get tow money. Mm-hmm. Right. right. 
you, and it doesn't right. take much to start earning money it, during the no. competition. And the racers are treated nope. like kings, right? They have a, a wonderful party there on, on Friday night. Exactly. We spent uh, $17,000 on that wonderful party this year. Wow. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, me too. There were some people there at 3 in the morning that got their money's worth, let me tell you. Well, that's good. They were they were, they were still rolling. Well, I but, sure hope they appreciate no, that's, it. That's, that's, that's the fun part, you know. Again, you don't want somebody to drive 40 hours and then cook them a couple of hot dogs on the grill. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. a $10,000 tent. It's, you know, catering. It's you know, the band or a DJ, Wonderful. we unveil the junior dragster there. Um, and everybody gets a chance to kind of see everybody. And there it's interesting to watch other racers because we kind of tend to be like by ourselves, right? We, we kind of get in our own little pit area and we may pit with our buddy, but we don't go out wandering around and mm-hmm. we just kind of do our own thing. And we race mm-hmm. at this race everybody's around the bonfire going, Hey, where do you race at? Oh, what's it like up there? You know, it's really cool to see that camaraderie. And that all goes away Saturday morning when we race, but but Friday, yeah, Friday, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to, uh, to, to have those guys um, to do that and to watch them, you know, kind of make new friends. Exactly. What a great program. And, And I'll tell you the, just a quick story on, from my perspective on that. I, I got to go to Rockingham in 2008 for the Super Series runoff, and there was only mm-hmm. eight of us there for that. Yep. At that time, that was the program. And right. I made friends with Jay Norris down there. And oh, yeah. we hung out at World Footbreak Challenge this year. I mean, it, we raced each other a couple times, and you know what? Him and his wife, and I mean, it just, it the, the friendships that are, that are made there, they, they can last a long time. It's, it's, it's really yeah. a cool opportunity. They're all like-minded. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it, it's an interesting dynamic too, because everybody that shows up there is obviously, you know, they're the track champion or if they met the requirements and won the team finals, the team finals champion. So mm-hmm. everybody is really kind of on the same playing field, yeah. but there's a lot of people that still don't think they belong there. You know, they, they, they don't, they don't race at a big track or, you know, the, the car count at their track is, you know, 70 cars, not 270 cars. And, and they Mm kind of get this mentality, like, God, I'm just glad I was here. It was awesome to qualify. I can, you know, say I was here. They, They got their qualifier hat. They're all excited. And it's like, whatever happens in the race is almost ancillary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and the prime example of that, um, was, uh, Johnny O was telling me a, a story this weekend about, um, Keith Cleveland, uh, who okay. was from Lancaster and he won the top world championship. He, he came up to Johnny and thanked him, you know, for everything we do. And, and, and he told Johnny, you know, I don't really belong here. I raced at this little track. Um, I'm just happy I was here. This is a great experience. And, and Johnny's like, you know, what are you talking about? You don't belong here. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're the track champion. Of course you belong here. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but he had kind of written it, kind of written it off in his mind. And, and he goes out and puts together seven killer, you know, killer runs and he's the man. Yeah. Right. It was his day, but everybody yeah. there has done something special to get there. Right. Right. And this race is just like, it's just like every other race. And the fact that, 
you can watch guys go through eliminations and when they need to be lucky, they're lucky. And mm-hmm. when they need to be good, they're good. Exactly. It's, it's just no different than a regular Saturday night. The, the mm-hmm. difference I think is there's really no, there's no gimme rounds. You no. know, a good guy may miss the tree and you know, you may stumble into that, but, but the level of talent is it'd be like racing a semifinal on a final round at your local track every single time down the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Right. Pretty much. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be close. It's going to be thousands quite often. Yeah, I, I th- this year it was, you know, we we, uh, we have two qualifying sessions and then we set the buy run based on the best reaction time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's like 66 cars, I think, or 65 cars in top. Nine of them have perfect lights. Yeah. <laughs> No. You know, like you get, you get, you get two, you know, you usually get two, maybe you'll get three on a good day. You might mm-hmm. see three out of 65, not nine. nine. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. I, I watched a guy in modified, I can't remember what round it was. Uh, he was one thou away from a perfect run mm-hmm. and lost. No. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? He broke out. He was, oh, he he was one thou out. Yeah. Yep. He was trip, trip zip. <laughs> the other guy one was thou out. Then he loses. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah. It, I mean, that's, it's, it, that kind of touches on the, the climate of what bracket racing has become. <laughs> but they took yeah. too much stripe, huh? Yep. That, <laughs> yeah. A yeah. Too much. <laughs> I wish yep. a bug would have hit the window or something. Right. It made the difference. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah, you just, you just watch those runs go up and down and, and you just kind of shake your head like, mm-hmm. good Lord, that would win. You know, that run would win any race on any day that you've ever seen but today. Oh, yeah. Yep, exactly. Jeez. That's exactly right. Amazing. So, Scooter, let's talk a little bit about the evolution from the, when the Summit Super Series first began to where it is now and, and kind of walk us through that a little bit. I mean, because Chip Horton was the first Summit Super mm-hmm. Series champion, right? It was yep. just one? Just one. One. He won 100000 oh. bucks. Yeah. I, I was I was working at Summit then. And okay. uh, I remember him coming to the retail store, and we gave him a uh, a, a trunk full of full of hundred dollar bills. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So the the thing about Chip, real quick, Gary, is he's a foot brake racer. Mm-hmm. He only mm-hmm. has one leg. No way. Yep. Right. That's that's yep. no joke. How's he do that? No joke. <laughs> and he's probably he's got to be the winningest foot brake racer ever. I, I don't know how many events he's won. Mm-hmm. but it's it's got to be in the thousands by now i mean it's it just every every year it just he just racks them up and racks them up and he and he runs in the south um mm-hmm. and he just he just wears them out i don't i don't think he races as much today i mean he's kind of up there in age now but i, I have never heard of anybody winning the volume that that guy has won no no really so. And and there's a guy that you know this a this perfect example of the Summit Super Series. There's a guy who locally and regionally, you know, North South Carolina, everybody knows who he is. Nobody's got a clue who he is in Indiana, no, or Ohio right, right. or Pennsylvania, until he won the Summit Super Series. And then boom, the whole country knows who this guy is. <laughs> yep, exactly. All of a sudden, yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about John Hoxteller in 2004. Yeah. I think that's just going off the top of my mind. I mean, he, he won the Summit Super right. Series from Osceola Dragway. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. he was the Summit Super Series winner for the whole country, the one, mm-hmm. and he did it from Osceola Dragway. So they ran a yep. separate class and they ran them all together? 
it was it was a little different program. Winners winners together at the end or what? It what was it was seemed like it was like a there was a PR rating and like your best your first forty rounds of competition. Right. Right. That's that's the ori- the original structure from the Summit Super Series back in two thousand two was that it was a it was a thirty round marker and tracks had to report your runs every week and we ran them through, you know, an Excel spreadsheet formula. And basically you came up with a batting average. And, and the thought was that's the only real way that a guy in Alaska and a guy in Immokalee, Florida Mm -hmm. could ever compare each other's, you know, runs or, or year Mm -hmm. and try to determine who had the better year. Uh, Just a culmination on and, a run-by-run basis. Right. Exactly. right. Mm-hmm. You, you take your best 30 and put them up against everybody else's best 30. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and that, that was the format for quite a while. Um, right. And it, it uh, that, that had kind of run its course. It, it, it got very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. It got very, you know, the tracks were, weren't reporting on a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they were go what you started to see the differences in in tracks and and suddenly you know a, a track like you know I'll keep using your track one thirty US one thirty one so that track is going to be harder to put together a, a better thirty run score than it might be at uh, you know Richmond Dragway mm-hmm. uh, you know the level of competition is different the number of racers is different so mm-hmm. it kind of penalized you know, the bigger tracks, I think in general. Um, so it, it, the track operators were, you know, eventually it was like, you know, okay, we've done this a while now. Is there a better, is there a, maybe a better way to do it? And, and that's how it started evolving, you know, well, yeah, we could, you know, we could run, you know, regionally, we could run this thing off at each team finals and then take those guys and advance them. Um, and that happened for a while and it really, um, changed in 2016 when we sat down with Summit and they asked the question, "What could could we do anything to open this up and get?" Because we weren't getting again, we weren't getting the guys from Alaska or Interlake and you know Grand Bend, and we weren't we weren't seeing a lot of those guys in the participation field mm-hmm. because they weren't coming to a team finals and and you know, their 30 run score wasn't holding up. So they said, look, if we, you know, if we can fund this thing, could you expand it at every track? Could, Mm -hmm. could, could every track send someone? Sure. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, we, we'd have to, you know, do a little thinking and figure out, you know, our concerns obviously were, is it, you know, is a guy going to try 40 hours one way uh, to come someplace and race? And the answer was, if, if it's prestigious enough mm-hmm. and it's a good enough race and, and a guy wants it bad enough, sure, mm-hmm. I think he will. Yeah. Um, and, and that's pretty much held true. I mean, Western Canada uh, has been represented every year very heavily at, at this event. Good. Um, so we thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if every track could crown their champion? It's, it's kind of like a little mini team finals. You know, you take the best three or four from your track and put them up against the best three or four from every other track and mm-hmm. see who comes out on top. Right. Yep. And me being a, I guess, kind of a purist from a drag racing standpoint, mm-hmm. 
I would much rather determine my fate based on can I beat you one-on-one versus can you accumulate more points than me? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Or a better third you know? run count. Yeah. Yep, and, and that yeah. makes more sense, too. So Summit was yeah. be- behind the decision in 2016 to actually come up with this World Finals format. Yeah. That is wonderful. They, they, uh, they, they always ask uh, and push us to you know, ask the question, can this get bigger? Can it grow? How can we expand it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've had conversations quite frankly about, um, how do we get the Australian guys over here? <laughs> oh man, that would be cool. Wow. You know, how do we get the, we have tracks in New Zealand as well. How do we get those guys over here and truly, you know, make this more international than it already is? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then the next bigger step is, how do we truly unify the belts? How, how do we take the best IHRA guy, best four IHRA guys against the best four NHRA guys from Pomona mm. and, and, and let them race each other head to head. Yeah. You know, that, Indeed. that would be something. And, and summits behind both of those programs, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That would be something that, really cool to see. The, that's my pushback to them. Hey, you, you know, you're the common denominator between these programs, mm-hmm. how, how do we get, you know, we know we're not going to get any cooperation from NHRA. We're, we're, <laughs> we, we're, we, under, we understand that part of it, yeah. but as a racer, how, how do we connect those four and our four? Cause it's not even in the same calendar year at this point. Pomona isn't until November next week or the week after or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys, you know, some of those guys, maybe division seven guys, they're going to come from, from, California or Arizona or somewhere, how do we get them, you know, with, with our guys and, and where is that at and how is that, you know, how does that all come together? And right. I, I don't know that it has any, you know, from a summit standpoint, I don't know that it does anything for them. For me personally, it's, it's the, it's the ultimate prize. You know, oh, right sure. now I'm the best dietary racer on the planet period. I want to be the best Sports on bracket racer, mm-hmm. bar none. How do how do we get that done? Yeah. yeah, I like the way you're thinking. That's one of the uh, future things. Anyhow, it could be coming. Who right. knows? Wow. Yeah, we we talk about a lot of crazy stuff that never makes it off the drawing board, but but some <laughs> stuff just is crazy enough to go, huh? And mm-hmm. you start putting more time into it, and you know, and start and you kind of start thinking, well, that's you know, if we got this guy here and this guy here, and then we pulled one from New Zealand, one from Australia. Yeah, it, I think you know it's anything could happen. It's just time and money. Oh, how yeah. much time do you want to put in it? How much money do you want to put in it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and but at the end of the day, you know I, I want to do whatever is the best for the sport. You know I, I think we have a, um, you know I've been I've been going to the races since I was in my mom's womb. Mm-hmm. So I I don't want to I don't want to do anything that's gonna you know splinter the sport even more or damage it in any way. Um, you know, we, we spent basically most of our careers trying to be the people that are the champion of, and I, I hate calling them the little guy because they're really not the little guys, but the, the, the blue collar grassroots right. sportsman bracket racer, right. you know, sure. that, no. that's the guy. That's your niche. <laughs> Somebody's got to stick up for them absolutely, because no one's really doing anything for them, in my opinion, but us. 
and I, I there needs to be more of us. We we can't do it all. We we are limited resources, limited reach. Mm-hmm. More more people have to get on the bandwagon, and and it's not sexy right now. It's big money racing, and right. it's you know the flings and all that stuff and all that money. Mm-hmm. That's that's got everybody's attention, but without these guys going to their tracks we're not going to have a whole lot of tracks left that's right you're right so i'm, I'm going to go off script real quick here you you sparked a thought in my mind scooter what is what is something like how do we attract new racers into this highly competitive world of bracket racing well you you would have to be either wealthy beyond your imagination <laughs> or completely crazy to go out and say hey I want to, you know, go build a dragster and bracket race at every, every Saturday night. And she won't this be great and watch, you know, watch yourself flush money down the drain because the, the inherent nature is people watch what, you know, you do or what people do and that are successful at their tracks and go, I've got to, I've got to spend that kind of money to keep up with that. Mm -hmm. Because if I want to be the best, I have to, I have to better that program Mm -hmm. so we we kind of completely lose sight of where this starts and it and it starts you know with juniors and it starts with the teen championship racing program and it starts with trying to nurture this sportsman class that that we launched for the the super series this past season for sure and that's that's where i think the growth is you know there are only so many makers in the world. There's only so many Picos in the world. There's only so many uh, beyond those people that are going to spend a lot of money on their racing program and, and be competitive and, and do everything that, that needs to be done to win. Mm-hmm. There's, that's a, there's a lot of time and resources in that. So if you have a casual person and, and it's, you know, the guy watching street outlaws who shows up, you know, and, and, and watches his favorite street outlaw driver and says, geez, I want to, want to kind of do that. Where's he going to start? Is he going to put trash control in there and go out on the street? (laughs) I, I, you know, I I hope not, but he, he, he can start in sportsman or Mm -hmm. he can start at 14 in team championship racing and start Mm -hmm. driving a car with his parents. Right. And again, because, you know, not every parent has a, $20,000 $20,000 bill to go run a junior dragster with today. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we've got the opportunities. We, we, I think we have the classes there. Um, we just, we, we just have to figure out how to turn the track operators attention a little more to it and not so much to how many cars that I have in box today. Right. And I didn't have enough. So, you know, I can't guarantee the payout anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Um, and, and I, we just, I, we, we just preach to the tracks every year, you know, focus, don't focus on the box guy. Don't, don't try to pay more money than the track down the road to get 10 more box cars to show up. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you get 10 TCR cars to show up or 10 more juniors to show up or 10 more sportsmen to show up, you're going to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, same result for the bottom line, and and maybe uh, work with your test and tune people. That's how you really get started, right? And then uh, I mean, get tired of that. Just, just come on over and run the sportsman class, right? I, 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 Bader a long time ago 
kind of beat this into my head that, you know, Major League Baseball has single A, double A, triple A ball. It's mm-hmm. a feeder program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Football has, you know, high school, college, then the pros. Mm-hmm. Drag racing doesn't have that. So that feeder system is your Wednesday night trophy night guy, mm-hmm. your test and tune guy. Yep. And you're trying to make those, you're trying to turn those guys into a Saturday night guy. Exactly. So you got to be able to to cross that bridge and, and to get a guy, you know, if I go get my challenger out of the, my, my 15 challenger that's sitting in my garage and I go over to, to Dragway 42, I'm going to look at the guys racing in, in box class and go, well, I, you know, I can't race those guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be competitive in no box. Mm-hmm. Those are real race cars what am I going to run in? I'm, I'm going to run in sportsman. Right. Because mm-hmm. I can run it like I got it now, or I can buy a set of Mickey Thompson's and, and I'm going to be competitive. Yep. Yep. And then eventually, you know, you get the hook set and you start working your way up. That's right. They get a few good, it, uh, good lights and uh, they think, well, what's next? What can I do next? Right. Exactly. Right. If you don't get that hook set, then you're not going to, when the 65 year old box racer gets done racing, you have nobody to replace them. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and that's, and that's something that, I mean, we, 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 everybody, every drag racer has had that conversation at some point during a bench racing session or whatever you, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. Now I try to get around as much as I can. It seems to me like Bill Bader's mentality has spread throughout a lot of Ohio. Because the state of Ohio, I'm telling you, has the youngest bracket racing crowd anywhere. Yeah, is that right? I I would I would put money yeah. on it right now. Yeah, yeah. Matt Dennis. I mean, I, I remember when Chris Bear. Yep. Couldn't couldn't cut a light in the junior dragster, sure. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, and there's know. a lot of kids that that grew up in his age range, which was very near the beginning. You, you know, we uh, I was with. Bader at the first, I was working there when we had the first junior dragster race, and it was a few years after the class had kind of come out. There was a lot of kids in his age group that grew up to be just great racers. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're exactly right. What's what's in the and, water in Ohio and, then? <laughs> I honestly I think it's I think it's the stuff that Scooter's talking about. There's mm-hmm. there's there's somewhat of a feeder program. Mm-hmm. There's there's a you know just a few people that that get their their buddies and their friends together and they start racing somewhere at a at a very entry level, you mm-hmm. know, at the ground level. They get good at it. The Wednesday night trophy mm-hmm. race. You know, there used to be a, a Friday night gamblers race here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can remember years back, my dad wouldn't go to a Saturday night bracket race here until he'd won a gamblers race on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's very intimidating. Oh yeah. And we don't really we don't really think about that aspect, but but you talk to those, I, I, I like to go out and, and just, you know, run my challenger on a Wednesday night and fool around and just kind of to see kind of who's out there on a Wednesday night and how old they are. And I mean, there's old guys, there's young guys, there's people that have never been there before in their life. And, mm-hmm. and you try to watch and see, you know, it, it they 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 do okay in that atmosphere when it's trophies and it's more relaxed and mm-hmm. you start talking to them about hey why don't you come over here on Saturday night and they got a sportsman class you can race and oh oh go no I'm you know I, I couldn't <laughs> do that I'm not that good and then those guys will you know beat me to death mm-hmm. so they've already kind of got it in their minds like 
uh, that's like the, the pros and I, I'm, I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to get over. Sure. You know, that, that's what we have to get by. And, and we have to get the juniors, you know, that, that junior program was designed specifically to get non-racing people into the sport. Mm-hmm. What it's done is it took racing people's kids Right. <laughs> and got them into the sport and and we as racers then systematically decided that we can't have a five thousand dollar you know car in the back of our pickup truck that we race <laughs> you know we we've got to have a twenty thousand dollar car that goes seven flat that we detune it to that we have a five thousand dollar paint job on now mm-hmm. right so we we are wreck <laughs> we are wrecking it you know this thing is in the process of being wrecked Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you look around at all the tracks and you ask them, Hey, how many beginner cars do you have? Two, mm-hmm. yeah. one, none. And they're elitist. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Wow. Right. Well, generally speaking though, wouldn't you say that the, the health of the sport is in good shape on our level? It certainly is around here in, at um, least in Michigan. Yeah, no, I mean, it, again, you kind of got to, you, you you got to kind of have a global perspective of this. Yeah. So yeah, I can go to pockets. I can go to Ohio, Michigan. I can go to North South Carolina. I can, I can, I can go to places where, you know, you could look around and say everything is hunky dory, but there are a lot more places that it's not. Mm. And, and there are a lot of, um, I will say mom and pop tracks, you know, an owner and his wife, and maybe one person answering the phones and they, you know, they depend on a certain car count to, to make it work. Mm. And they're cutting the grass and they're scraping the track and they're answering the phones and his wife's running the concession stand. And those tracks are, are dropping off. They're, those tracks are closing up. We, mm. uh, of, of the IHRA tracks that we've lost in the last four or five years, uh, there's probably only a handful that I could say went to NHRA. Right. All the other ones went out of business. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. went under, or the lease didn't get renewed, or you know. Yep. Sure. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, Crossville, you know, this year is is done. That is a super nice track in the south mm-hmm. that the guy just couldn't make the lease payments. Mm-hmm. Couldn't make enough. Couldn't make it work. Didn't really do drag. Didn't really do a whole lot of bracket racing. Was more grudge and and you know outlaw kind of stuff. Yeah. Just couldn't make it work. Um, that's my concern. That and 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 you think well that okay this track goes away so you know those guys are just going to go somewhere else. It's not true. Not the case. No, you're right. I, I saw it happen here when Dragway 42 closed down. When they closed down to get remodeled for the, those two years, the Norwalk car count picked up, but it didn't get everybody. No, yeah, no, it didn't. You know, there, there was, was a lot of cars that sat for a couple of years. You, you some stopped. guys went to Quaker, some guys went over to Thompson, but there was a lot of cars that sat. Right. Yep. If that happened in my and, local track, you'd stop and you'd assess your situation, wouldn't you? Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. For sure. Right. And and I mean, we're we're in like where we're at in Michigan, I mean, yeah, we've got a few tracks within a couple hours. It's not like North and South Carolina though, where right. the track closes up there. You know, there's three more that are the exact same distance right. or closer that are just as good. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah. The that area. It, right. If that area, if it if it had some cleansing, I don't I don't know that the total population of car count would go down. But you know, again, there are certain drivers that that that's their track, and then that's all. That's what they do. That's where they go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more tracks. You know, Texas. You got to go six hours or or more between tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, the Western Canadas, the the you know Oklahomas, the you know, even the Indiana, Illinois, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily a consolidation um, of the sport when that happens. It, the the more tracks there are, the more racers get generated, the bigger, the, the bigger, the overall pie is to, to share. Right. Um, Bill be- Bader will tell you quite frankly, you know, when Dragway 42 fired back up, that was, that made Northern Ohio's racing deal healthy again. Right. Cause now there's more cars to come to his races, more cars to do his special events that weren't coming before. Right. So, um, that, that, you know, that, that is what concerns me. I, I don't think that bracket racing necessarily, um, I, I see a lot of people prognosticating about how bracket racing is dead. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's just a little more, it gets a little more diverse than what it was. I think there's a lot more people that are sort of picking and choosing tracks, Mm -hmm. events, you know, where they want to go. But I think there's a lot of people that are caught up into the big money racing now, and they think that is all there is in the world. And that's Mm -hmm. only a couple hundred people. Yeah, not on the local you know, level. By, buying two entries a piece. Yeah, these mm-hmm. four and five hundred car races are 250, 250 drivers. Right. No, so right. that that's cool, and that's a segment of the sport that that everybody's talking about right now. Um, that'll come and go, just just like Pink's All Out will mm-hmm. come and go, just like Street Outlaws will come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the guys that have been around for the last million years. Those are the guys that'll be around for the next million years, and and that's the kind of people that we're, you know, that's that's who we're focused on. That that's our guy. Yeah, right. that's who IHR is focused on. You guys it, have been doing it for forty years. You know, that's the only constant it really in IHRA mm-hmm. is that we've always been the sportsman racing organization, whether it was pro ams or summit super series or team finals or whatever that's mm-hmm. always kind of been our focus and then everything else sort of revolved around it um and no matter what the business model was that that never really changed mm-hmm. yeah and and that's that's good i mean there i i'm in i've I've told this to many many people ihra is is where it's at for for guys like you know myself that we're the we're the weekend warriors you know we're we're the ones supporting our track week in and week out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, to to because you, you hear the conversation happen here and there where, oh, I heard we're going NHRA next year. Well, that's not a good thing for us mm-hmm. as weekend bracket racers. You know what what's in it for us? I mean, it, it's you know, it, the, I don't see a pro to to going over to the NHRA side. No, no, and J- Jason no, Peterson looked at that very thing. Right. You know, what's best for the racers? Exactly. That's why yeah. I stayed with IHRA. There are a group of, of theorists that will buy the brand because they are the brand. 
Sure. You know, no, is, there's no arguing that. that. That is on TV. That is, they are driving our sport. But for me and you, um, you know, we can buy Nike tennis shoes or we can buy Adidas tennis shoes. They're both going to get us to the same place. And how much money do you want to spend to get there? And are there enough features and benefits between the two to make a make a decision? Right. And that's really what it boils down to. It, I'm not really a brand guy necessarily. I'm I'm a guy that does this make is this a good value? You know, me personally, I'm I'm a value guy. Mm-hmm. Do, do I see the value in this? Would I spend? You know, would I join and and do this? Is there enough value in it for me? Uh, or am I just going to stick to my you know, local track points and, and, you know, that's where I'm going to be. Um, there are a lot of people that see the value in it, obviously there are, but there are more that don't, there are, there are more people that are not in the super series than are right now. You're, you know, your track again is kind of a unique situation. Cause I think almost everybody in the U S 131 points is in the summit super series, Yep. but that's one track out of 80, you know, that I can, I can point to a whole bunch of tracks who have, 80 people in their points program and only 20 in the summit super series. Mm. Why is, you know, that? so <laughs> like I, if I could figure that out, I, I would, uh, I would solve all of our problems. That's the million dollar I, question. I, Does it cost that well, much to join the, no, the summit super series it, number? It really doesn't. Wow. No, the, the, if you look at it from a, on the outside, you're going to go, well, I'm not a member of IHRA. And I'm not going to the team finals and I'm not doing any of this stuff. So for me to join, it's going to be okay. like a hundred bucks by the time I get my membership and get my X number. Mm-hmm. And they completely discount the insurance. You know, that has no value to them in their mind until they need it. And then it's, Oh my God, I'm glad I got this. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're looking at it as a hundred dollar bill. Right. I'm looking at it as if I'm going to join my local points program, I'm doing it because I think I can win or I think I could make the team Mm -hmm. to which I've got to be a member of IHRA anyways, or NHRA, if that's the case. So I might as well have the insurance protection all year long. And for a lousy 10 bucks, I'm going to get to take a shot at a free $20,000 to win world championship race. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, it just seems practical. Right. You wouldn't you wouldn't hardly get anybody to turn down an opportunity to make their car go two tenths quicker by spending a hundred dollars. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So right. a hundred dollars yep. is not the hang up. Not at all. It can't be. <laughs> so no. No. Well, I think there's the other faction of people though that I think there are some people that are it is a hundred dollars, but there's probably more that just purely don't believe they have a chance. Yeah, they just can't do it. Yeah. And and to that I would say, then why are you in your local track points program? Why why did you spend the fifty bucks to join your track points? Right. Exactly. Because if you think you can win that and you join that points, then surely you can win this. Sure. Yeah. Right. You, you, I no, mean, you're exactly right. And I you, guess it's right. And just, you talked a little you didn't, bit about you just the... show up at your track and race, and you wouldn't join anybody's points. Exactly. You talked a little bit about the guy that won the the Summit Super Series in Top ET, saying mm-hmm. that he he doesn't belong there. Like the biggest thing right. that that IHRA does for that guy is you make a hero out of him. Like he's the right. guy that runs at his local track. Nobody's ever heard this guy's name nope. other than the other than his friends and family, other than the people that he races with. And right. now 
you know, through through the entire off season, you're not going to find a, a, a summit advertisement or a, you know even a right. summit catalog where his name, the picture of his car, isn't going to pop up somewhere. Right. So, I'm, I mean, a couple hundred thousand people just saw the guy win on live stream alone. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I Exa- mean, no, you're just exactly right. that just that moment right there mm-hmm. would make it all worthwhile. Sure. Well, and and I'll and something else that I don't know if if you realize this or not, but the Summit Super Series has enough impact on the sport itself that it made the million dollar bracket race move its weekend. They changed weekends because it was on the same weekend as, as the Summit Super yeah, Series. Yeah, it was. Off. I didn't, this year I is the weekend after. Oh. I I knew that it moved because one of my division directors is actually racing in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I didn't really know why or what the what right. what the rationale was. And and we have had guys not come to the world finals because they were racing the million. Right. And 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 those are those are primarily um like Troy Williams. I I remember sure. that one. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, I would love to be there, but it's the same weekend as a million. Well, Troy is a big money racer. Yeah. Right. That, right. That's what he does. He's exactly. I do not look at him and say, Well, that is a weekly, you know, bracket racer guy. He he is he is in this other group of people that travel the world, um, yeah, you know, doing, doing for r- living, running right? for the big money. Yeah, right. And he's 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 a guy that's done it all. I mean, he's won world championships. He's 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 probably got every trophy there is to get. That is not the guy that I'm going after with this program. That that right. is not IHRI's target audience with this. No, exactly. So when people say, "Oh, it's up against a million, I was like, "That it, that is not my guy. That's not my group." Right. That's not that's not my group of people. That that guy from Western Canada, he's he's not going to the million. He's coming here. Right. Mm-hmm. No, you're exactly you know? right. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of switch gears a little bit and maybe kind of lighten things up a little bit. But so we've had all, like some some subtle evolutions throughout the sport, and you know like delay boxes, LED lights, changing what we see on a time slip as far as reaction time goes. Now, you know, crosstalk's been the more recent one. What's, what do you think's next? I hope nothing. Nothing? <laughs> <As> a, <laughs> no no a, true start? <laughs> you know, as a guy that has to uh, be in the tower for all of this yeah. and explain it to everybody, and, and mm-hmm. I, we, have, we have gadgeted ourselves and, and to death. Um, you know, the, I, I, I like true start, okay. me personally. Yep. I was, I, I'm always the slower car, it seems like. So, yep. so I, I always thought that was a, a little unfair on how it was done. Sure. I, I didn't necessarily like crosstalk when it first came out because I thought it gave the, the fast cars a, another advantage. And from a sanctioning body perspective, you never really want to do things that make you believe that you have to go faster in order to be competitive. Cause it just drives the cost up and sure. it drives people out of the sport. So if I had a magic wand, I would get rid of all of it, including I would get rid of every sensor on the racetrack other than starting line and finish line. <laughs> and, and I, and I would go back to a more simpler time where, you know, I mean, my dad was racing and there wasn't reaction times. Right. Sure. And, and, and you, you know, but of course, that's always the that was always the time where you had to build everything. You just couldn't call somebody up and buy it. Right. So, you know, I think the in some instances progress has been good, um, but I, I look around today and 
you look at the electric cars mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we had a Tesla at uh, at the world finals mm-hmm. uh, Wayne Darlington from Dragway 42 right. and his Tesla we had an electric yeah. junior dragster junior, yeah yep yep um i look at those things and and the fact that you know you can just turn the knob on the junior dragster and make it go faster and faster and faster right how you know how easy would it be on an electric car to include a sensor that would speed it up and slow it down sure <laughs> you know i sure. mean all this technology is great, but in the hands of the wrong people, opens up a complete other can of worms. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you have a true, uh, you know, wheel, you have a a wheel counter on an electric car. It's obvious. It's oh, there. Yeah, yeah. You know sure. how many times that motor is spun. Mm-hmm. Yep. So could it be adjusted I mean, to the finish line? Yeah, maybe. Fuel injection and laptops and you know all all the, the Copo cars and all that is all that technology is cool, but again in the wrong hands. I mean, the local tracks aren't staffed. They don't have the expertise. They don't have the time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the more that stuff creeps into our sport and the more guys like you and I sit around questioning it, mm-hmm. well, what is that? And <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but that thing run, that thing is printing ET slips right now, so <laughs> it must be cheating. Um, it, it starts to dismantle the fabric of, of bracket racing. Yeah. Um, and we as sanctioning bodies, you know, NHRA's got electrical engineers on staff and, you know, more more payroll on that kind of stuff than I could ever dream of. Mm-hmm. But if that stuff gets down into the sports and racing ranks, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Nobody can beat that guy. Well, that's the end of that. No, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I know... I mean, I lived through the whole Maddie Box deal out mm-hmm. here when I was working at, at Marwalk. Yep. Um, I, I I saw firsthand how that literally took a family community of racers that I thought were as tight as tight could be and dismantled the whole thing. Sure. It, it, everybody was suspicious of everybody. Fights on the staging lanes. I mean, mm. it, it, it was unbelievable. So... We, as sanctioning, as the sanctioning body, have to stay up on that stuff to make sure that it can be used in a proper way. But if there's a question, you know, it, we're going to throw it out. No, you know, sure. it's it better better to throw the one guy out than piss off the entire pit area. No, you're exactly right, right there. And that's that's the only choice this tracks are going to have. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true. That's the only options. That is the only option. And that, and you watch all the street outlaw guys with, you know, more trash control on their cars than they know what to do with. I'm sure there's a lot of bracket racers that have played with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the technology's there. It's right. it's easy enough to, to put in and, and more or less hide it. Right. Is it, is it going to t- make a terrible car? Great. No, I don't think so. It's going to make it right. a, mediocre car good right so all right. that, all that it, being said though you still have to cut the better light you do there's nothing yeah that i know of you can get around that yep now, there's a lot of stuff to make it, the car real real good right but you still have to have the better light sure and as much as much as the foot brake and no box guys tend to hate delay boxes you know that that is a device that i think probably saved or salvaged Bracket racing. Yeah. 
because no, it took a right. lot of guys who were getting their butts kicked on a regular basis mm-hmm. and made them into good racers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah, of course. You're so right. how, how many times are you going to keep going to the track and not get past first round? Yeah. It's not going to take very many before. No, it won't take very change. long. Right. Right. So I, as again, as a purist, I don't like it necessarily, but I've tried the bottom ball brace and I suck at it. So delay boxes are my only option. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, sure. it, that that makes you know everybody competitive, mm-hmm. and again, if everybody's competitive, then the field will grow and the sport you know as a whole will get healthy. Um, I don't I, I don't know that there's anything coming down the pike that I've seen that would have that same effect. Everything that comes down the pike now always seems to be of the cheating variety, <laughs> not of the assistance variety. Sure. Um, and I mean, we had guys in in. Uh, in Memphis, uh, you know, one guy said somebody had a Maddie box and one guy said, you know, somebody had nitrous in those horsemen classes. Well, you know, we're not going to go out on a wild goose chase and tear somebody down on fourth round in the middle of the staging lanes and completely ruin their day. And they could be innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be completely innocent. But if if there's a uh, there's a tech inspection and you start finding stuff. You know we're we're gonna have a problem because yeah. that car is gonna come come down to the bare nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it, it's it's just a, uh, I guess it's just a matter of perspective. You know, racers have one perspective, sanctioning bodies have another. Um, what's nice about I think us is myself and Mike Baker and Frank Kahotek and and I mean we're racers, so we kind of look at it from both both perspectives. You know, Frank's a little more hardcore than than I am. Uh, he's down running the million right now. Yep. Um, he's got, you know, he's he's probably the top end of the scale. I'm probably the bottom end of the scale, and Baker <laughs> probably comes comes in somewhere right in the middle. So we we tend to balance each other out on stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Good, good deal. So I, I've got to ask you. This is completely out in left field. What what's the story with the Canadian Ball and Cup Championship? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Johnny O's getting fired tomorrow. I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, you know he. I'm sure he's going to listen to this. So <laughs> we. Uh, well, this is this just goes to show you that I'm good at whatever I put my mind to. Oh, there you go. So, so we invented. We were in Toronto, and it was at a national event, and it was like 17 days of you know locusts and plague and rain and i mean we literally sat for two days and didn't didn't do anything so of course we're all you know piled up in one of the towers and uh we decided to keep ourselves occupied and i had i found a one of those kind of half dollar size rubber bouncing balls and i took a large concession stand cup that they you know serve their large drinks in and put it at the bottom of the, uh, it was about six stairs that would go down in the tower. And, and th- there was no carpet in the tower. It was all, it was all a uh, tile. Okay. So we, we developed a game by which you had to bounce this ball from the top step. It had to hit every step on the way down. <laughs> and if you hit the cup, it was worth a point. And if you got it in the cup, it was you know worth a million points. Mm-hmm. And uh, we spent about a half a day perfecting our our throw and our reach, and we we everybody would would take turns, and it was 
It was filmed, I believe. The, some oh. of the film crew was there. Nice. Oh. Uh, our announcer was announcing it, and uh, <laughs> yours yours truly hit the jackpot with six bounces off the back wall and right into the cup and <laughs> won the World <laughs> Canadian Championship. The first and only. <laughs> the first and only. That Man. is that is wow. true. Talk about we, we have a we have about a three minute video clip of that particular throw i think it's on our hard drive somewhere um <laughs> that needs to make it, it on it, youtube mm-hmm. yeah probably not <laughs> no we we probably weren't in the best frame of mind and and the language was, was a little uh, uh was a little not family friendly i think during that <laughs> particular time oh yeah oh. but we we do uh you know it's 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 very difficult a lot of times what we do and it's very we get on each other a lot and there's a lot of heartache because we want everything right for for the racers every time all the time no matter what so mm-hmm. when we get a chance to uh to play we we tend to play very hard um <laughs> and and we have been known to uh Rockingham was was you say I remember you said you were you were there at one of the world finals yep that the pro pit area used to flood all the time. We yeah, called it, it Lake Lake Yearwood. It did that, and uh, <laughs> yep. And we would we would take one of our four wheelers and put about a thirty foot rope on the back and tie it to a cooler, uh, a, a you know large size cooler, and we'd put one of our officials, Howie Dalton, would get in the cooler, and uh, we would do donuts in Lake Yearwood, <laughs> and he would basically be skiing in this cooler from behind it, which, <laughs> which is very funny on the outside, but when you think about the rope breaking and him skidding into the parking lot on his head, not so funny, but yeah. um, but it, it was it was pretty spectacular, the stupid things that, that we tend to do during rainouts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> were, were you here at US 131 for the, it was either the first or the second Northern Nationals? Uh, I was, I missed the first one. I was still working at Summit then, um, but I had Mark Horton and some, some of my friends were racing there. And then I was at the second one, but I, I like missed the first the one. That it flooded. Like we had a, a yeah. just a huge storm. Well, that, that year, uh, a golf cart bowling was invented. <laughs> golf cart bowling. There was enough water over like in the spectator parking area that trash barrels would float. Mm-hmm. And you'd kind of gather them up into a somewhat of a you know bowling pin oh. arrangement, and you'd drive the golf cart through the water <laughs> and knock down as many barrels as you can. Ah, <laughs> that is spectacular. I am so upset that I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's uh that happened here. <laughs> Rack them up. Y- y- yep. You would you would be surprised at how far a golf cart will slide on a racetrack when it's wet. Yes, mm. it's extremely slippery. A tremendous <laughs> amount. Oh yeah. <laughs> the uh, the late Jim Weinert was uh, was cleaning up the top end of Tulsa. Uh, we had the pyro guy. He, uh, we had shot off pyro after the last top fuel car, and this pyro guy that we hired buried his tubes in the dirt. Oh. And when he blew it up, he blew mud all over the top end. I mean, it was it was everywhere. And Weiner mm-hmm. went crazy. Mm-hmm. So he was down there with the scrubber when we were done. And, and everybody, you know, everybody was left and all the racers were back in their pits. So he's, he's spending the next two hours out there cleaning the track. <laughs> so he, he scrubbed from like the eighth mile all the way through the finish line. He had the whole top end completely sudsy. And I saw that and went, Wow, I wonder how far I'm, I could slide this golf cart with soap on the track. So oh, I got at the top end of Tulsa, and I was just as wide open as it would go, and I came by him, 
And he looked at me, he's on the scrubber and I'm in the other lane. We're passing each other. And he was mouthing something that I can't repeat right now. (laughs) And I hit the brakes at the finish line. And I swear that thing did 20 donuts. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't come to a stop until the eighth mile. It it was crashing everywhere. We never hit anything, but we were, we were scared to death because at one point you lose control of it and, and you're just along for the ride. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was awesome. He, Weiner was not happy. He, and he, the, he proceeded to tell me how dangerous that was and how I would have thrown people out for doing that. But mm-hmm. he laughed. He laughed when it was over. He just well, didn't want to laugh in front of me. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that you survived Weiner after that is yeah, that's that, a that's, that's a badge of honor on yes, its own. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, Scooter. I, I can't thank you enough for for hanging out with us for a little bit. I mean, oh, I think fun. we got Always more a than we bargain for here but hopefully we didn't too many stories there. yeah you'll have to edit all that stuff out that's non-drag racing related <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> a little, little digression yeah yeah so thank you again for joining us and and we you know i loyal supporters the ihra here and in the summit super well, we appreciate and, it well, we appreciate know, just, everything they do absolutely. for us that's amazing well we love what you guys are doing and and we hope uh you know, we hope there's uh, there's a whole bunch of sports and racers out there that maybe learn something today. That'd be great. That'd I think so. Well, thanks again, Scooter, and uh, hope you have a, a safe and happy off season. And we'll see you sometime next year. Yeah, we'll see you for the sports and spectacular. Okay. Sounds great. Look thanks again, Scooter. It. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Bye now. Bye. See ya. We we can't thank Scooter enough for hanging out with us and and talking with us. I mean, we we hopefully. We still have a couple listeners left after yeah, all that. Yeah, that guy was so insightful, though. Yeah. It, and, and I mean, if, if you couldn't tell the amount of passion that he's got for the sport and for ITRE and the and the bracket racers, you know, the us us guys, you yeah. know, it's he, – he's uh, it definitely – we are definitely his focus on where the ITRE is going. It's and, deeply rooted in his heart. That's where he came from. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can't thank him enough for spending some time with us and, and talking with us about all things IHRA. And, you know, there's a few, mm-hmm. uh, few pretty good stories in there, I think. So, yep. but I think that's going to pretty much do it for, for this episode. It's kind of a, an impromptu thing that we had talked about a couple weeks ago. And we wanted to uh, make sure and talk about the guys that went down to Memphis and yep. cover that a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go. I know, uh, you know, Things are going to get a little busier and probably, you know, with the holidays coming up and everything else and the off season. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll try to get together again before, you know, I would say sometime around when the schedule comes out or something like that. We'll, yeah, I'm sure we'll get together. Well, and, there's a, uh, any revelations come out of the driver committee meetings or something. Like yeah. That. But uh, otherwise we have the banquet coming up on January 25th. January 25th, 2020. Do you think we'll go live from the red carpet again? I don't know, we'll see. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I guess let's throw that out to the, you know, our, our couple fans uh if if you liked that from last year, you know, I do, we don't mind doing it again if uh if you think that yeah. was the dumbest idea in the world, let us know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, we went around the uh, the lobby, didn't we? Yeah. As people were doing the cocktail hour and we had a chance to chat with a few. We could do a we could expand it or we could scrap it, right? Sure, sure. Let us know what you think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is is let us know if you're building a new car or you're getting a new car or, <laughs> you know, making some big changes over the season or, you know, whatever. We'd, we'd like to talk about it. And I'd like to share that, too. Absolutely. Okay. So that's going to do it for Episode 41. Thank you for, you know, taking some time and listening to, to our show. And we just we hope that you, you know, you like it enough to share it and, and let us know what you think. 
And from there, we'll uh, we'll see you sometime around, probably the banquet, or you know, if, if something something big happens in you know in in the US one thirty one racing community, we'll sure and and uh, record another show, and and we'll go from there. Very good, sir. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks again, and have a good night.